planet Earth's a rocket wagon train upon a journey. And what if aliens don't fight an actress named Seth Gurney? We're not a bunch of geeks who live in basements, sleep on futons, but who wouldn't stream our podcast if we're calling it Space Croutons. It's an intergalactic robot automatic from Dusk Curdy Clammerwood here, and I want to make this clear from the get-go. You're listening to a real-time special podcast of Space Croutons, and I have no idea what's about to happen. We're putting this out there as it happens because there's no guarantee we'll be around afterwards or that there will even be a Space Croutons anymore. But whatever transpires, it's important that you know the truth. There have been too many secrets for far too long. And for you first-time listeners to Space Croutons, let me apologize. There's no time to go back and bring you up to speed on what's led to this. You'll have to do that on your own, later, if that's even possible. Our AI assistant Sally is here as well, handling the technical side of things as events unfold. Hello Space Croutonians and all other friendly AI programs out there. And yes, Cordy, I am on this like white on rice. Hmm. Never heard you use that one before, Sally. As part of my studies of regional vernacular, I am now into colloquial speech of the southeastern United States. Like white on rice means I've got this. And apologies to our independent music sponsors. We're foregoing your songs this time around due to time constraints and a hesitation to connect your work with what's about to take place. So next time, troubadours, if there is one. As you can hear, we are driving Van Helsing, headed back to a a not place, the wouldn't. This is where it's not all going down, if you follow my meaning. Everyone is supposed to meet not there with the croutons in their possession. At least, that's what was agreed to. And I guess it makes sense, with the wouldn't being a not place outside the limits of spatial law, the Kordax cannot actually come too close to each other. No space? No proximity. I mean, that's physics, right? Not an expert here. However, as I've become a hands-on expert with traffic circles and figure-eight infinity sign driving patterns, we should be not in the woodent any time now. And not here we are. I recognize the same stand of trees stretching up to melt into the dark sky. It's the same clearing, about 90 feet across, this time with a dozen oversized wooden rocking chairs, each placed in front of a massive timber marking the circumference of the clearing. There's no sign of anyone else yet. Sally, Bluetooth to my cell and let's check out our surroundings. Okay, we're stepping out of the van into the quiet and I'm scanning clockwise around the clearing just inside the tree line. There's a hollow darkness behind the trees, while a pale white light illuminates the center of the openness. Cordy, over yonder, that is, across the clearing, my sensors indicate an increased vibration in the energy field. Brittany! Aiden, over here! If you're Curdy 1, hey there. If you're Curdy 2, bite me. Okay. Welcome to our first arrivals. We will be joining you shortly. Please make yourselves comfortable. Well, ain't that just fine and dandy? Sally, study later, okay? You need to pay attention. 
With the gemstone in a small titanium box in my jacket pocket, I sit in the rocker nearest the van at the six o'clock position, directly across from Brittany in the rabbit's foot, which I'm guessing is in her shoulder bag at twelve, and Aiden and the banana hanger clearly gripped in his hand at eleven o'clock. Ah, Joe and the other Mr. Clamberwood. I see you brought the clock, and I assume the moon rink. Join the others in the circle. We are just about ready. Brittany? Hello, Joe. You do? You look like Nikki. I mean, you are, right? In a way, yeah. I've got a lot of questions. I'll try to answer them. I guess it'll take some time to get to know each other again. One game if you are. Take seats. You can mix and mingle later. For our listeners' sake, Joe has settled in the chair at 4 o'clock, and Curdy 2.0 is to his right at 3. So, they are within spitting distance of each other. Wipe that smile off your face, Clamorworm. Please, and after everything I've done for you. You mean done to me. Ha! <laughs> tomato, tomato. Bent, Lucy, Flint, and Vera, take your places and let's begin the discussion. So, the others are spreading out from the 10 o'clock position back to 7, with Bent, after placing Vera at 8, settled right next to me with the Rubik's Cube cocked and ready. Dandy stands at 1 o'clock. Wait a minute, Dandy. We're not all assembled. The medallion? Where is it? Well, Brittany, the candidate is, shall we say, a bit shy. With the election approaching, she would prefer to remain out of the spotlight, but she is in attendance on my cell. We agreed we would all meet in one place. Technically, Aiden, we agreed to meet all in one not place. Shut your flytrap weed brain before I walk the dog over there to take care of business. I can take care of my own business just fine, Joseph. Sorry, did you forget that too? I suppose you think that's funny. <laughs> oh, well, it tickled my roots. Score one for the non-humans. Woohoo! My word, who let the dogs out? <laughs> Bent, was that really necessary? Stop wasting time. I don't care who doesn't like who, or who's not following the rules. You've no idea what this cube can do, so don't try my patience. I guess he's figured out how to use that thing. If I may finish, she is attending via myself from her limo, which is arriving now. She's right, folks. A black stretch limo has just pulled up in the five o'clock position and parked right next to Van Helsing. Well, if I knew that was an option. I told you this would be a disaster, Dandy. We should just take what's rightfully ours, and it's their loss if they get in our way. Try it, Flint, and see who loses. There are plenty of us here with weapons of our own, so just keep that pickpocket of yours in your hands where I can see them. All right, I think it's clear that we are all trying to acquire the Cordex. Some of you were sent to retrieve them in order to reverse eternity in your world. Others desire to explore their powers and make this world better. I and my cohorts want to bring them together to reunite with my finer now that the civil war on our planet has been resolved. And I believe we can all reach an agreement. We can all get what we want. And how exactly do we all get what we want? Here's what I propose. Bring the Kordax together to reverse eternity for the humans in the other dimension. Then allow me to bring finer back. How does that help us in this dimension? Once Finer is back, in return, Dandies agreed that they'll use their restored power to help us humans here improve our world. Win, win, win. 
And what if it's not? What if it's not what, Joe? Get real, Lucy. What if our world isn't improved? Look what they did to yours. He's right. Everything was fine before we ever knew about these Kordaks. Now you have to undo things? Ms. Latch was clear. We have to keep these things from ever being used again for anything. Bent, I will make that happen when Finer returns. I promise. The Kordaks will never threaten the Earth again. Hmm. Let me get this straight. If we simply hand over our Kordaks to you, you will try to end eternity for them and then try to bring back your sweetheart from some higher plane. And if both of those work without destroying us all, you will generously manage to hand us some mysterious world improvement here? Well, I think I like my chances better with what I've got. I mean, after all, a Kordak in the hand is worth two in your titanium briefcases. And to the rest of you, I'm offering you the opportunity to join me, and we will decide what we want or need to change life as we know it, instead of groveling for a handout from aliens who brought their problems to our planet and consequently have been wreaking havoc ever since. Join you? After the lies and manipulation you've put all of us through? You shot me up into space for Pete's sake. Please, you got back just fine, didn't you? And I might add, with a treasure trove of valuable information. Looks like we make a pretty good team. So come on, come to Daddy. That does it. Well, butter my butt and call me a biscuit. Curdy and Curdy too are going at it like two mules fighting over a turnip. It's Brittany in the rabbit's foot. She's frozen the curdies in time. You know, as much as I enjoy watching a good beating, this isn't going to solve anything. Somebody pull them off each other and calm down everybody. Now, Dandy is offering us a way to make everything okay again, and I think we should take it. Yeah, I second that motion. It allows me to complete my mission, and I can finally go home. Me too. Curdy? Which one? Shut up, she means me. Okay, I just want these things gone. Here, I'll start the pile right here in the middle. What the? The timbers behind us are calibrated to sense who possesses a Kordak, and if it leaves someone's possession. When that happens, the temper retrieves it. So you are planning to steal them from us? Don't get excited. If you approach the timber, it recognizes you and you can easily possess a Kordak again. I won't steal anything from anyone. Look, as a token of trust, I've already placed the card reader and the obelisk, but I can get them back at any time. So who else is with us? Aiden? Get everyone else on board or no dice. I keep mine. Joe? I'm telling you, bringing the Kordaks together is a bad idea. Joe, please. For me, your sister. Yeah? Why would I trust you? Nikki is my sister and she used me. I'm so tired of being used. Hello? Okay, Joe, it's the candidate. She's asking you to come to the limo. She wants to talk. You trust her, right? Yeah. I'm coming with you. No, you stay here. If you really care about me, if you really want to be my sister, then just wait here. So, Aiden, are you in? That's not everybody. They're still bent and curdy the clown. 
Oh, I think you meant clone. And for the record, I'm technically not that either. For the sake of time, just call me Mr. C. Sorry, but I don't trust you, Dandy. Then Mrs. Latch was doing what she was told at the time. It made sense then. She was protecting them from the dissentients, but things have changed. Enough of this pussyfooting around. He's using the pickpocket vent. Don't let go of the cube. Bent is dead. What happened? Did the cube go off when Flint tried to steal it? Don't be ridiculous. We all saw it. It was the gemstone. You threw it on the ground and it killed him. And Bent couldn't defend himself because Flint tried to steal the cube. Where is the cube now? Don't worry. It's safe. The timber has it. If this is how we're going to play it, that suits me fine. Battle stations, Lucy. Vera the aloe has shed her pot and spread out like a cold supper. She has grown to 10 plus feet. Her roots have become mobile and large fly trap-like appendages have sprouted. Meanwhile, the dog called Lucy is transforming into what you horror movie enthusiasts might describe as a werewolf and they both look like they could chew up nails and spit out a barbed wire fence. You all seem to have missed the elephant in the room. With the clock in my possession, I activated the gemstone, which Curdy so generously placed for my convenience, and squashed Bent's futile resistance. And yes, I can do the same with all the Kordax. So here is the deal I'm proposing. As much as I abhor sentiment... You have all proven yourselves through your bravery, ingenuity, and tenacity to be capable of great things. Join me, and we can use the Quardax to form a new world order for Earth in all her dimensions, as well as our planetary neighbors. A society built for the betterment of all beings, and especially those of us who rule it. (laughs) And if we say no... Choose to resist, and I will take all the Quardax, and you will all be dead. All right, I'm in. Lucy! He's right, Vera. The only way to resolve this is to join him, and then we can still reverse eternity. You really think he will do that? I don't know, but what choice do we have? Yeah, I'm in, too. Flint! Don't waste your breath, Dandy. You've had your chance, and your plans have never worked. If we can take the Quardax and make things better, then maybe this new world order will be a small price to pay. I'm sorry you don't get finer back, but frankly, that's your problem, not mine. Well, you can take my banana hanger when you pry it from my cold, dead hand. Really? Well, it made you think for a moment, and that's all I need. Where did he go? I didn't go anywhere. Oh, yeah, and this is for you. <gasps> He's using the cloaking power. Look out the rocking chair. Silly man, you forgot I can levitate. Missed me? That's a good idea. Stay, Lucy, stay. Flint, I'm stuck. Steal the rabbit's foot and get me down. Not if I can help it. Get off me, you weed. Don't forget me, Flint. I guess what you can't see can hurt you. Why, Mr. C, stop hitting yourself. Allow me to return the favor. There you are, Aiden. You must have dropped your precious banana hanger. Ha! And there goes your pocket. Let me take a swing, Aiden. 
I'll rip you from stem to stem. The quarter! Cordy, Cordy, my sensors are picking up a set of intense vibrations. Dandy, what's happening? The quarter, it's not going to the timber. It's spinning in the air, growing. The limo is gone. early spring cornfield in southeastern Minnesota, I think. Are you okay, Aiden? The wooden was destroyed. I didn't think it was possible. Who else made it out? Brittany? Over here. What was that? That storm? It was certainly come in a cloud, Cordy. I would classify the storm as an F5 tornado, with an unusual wind pattern. Unusual how? Call me nuttier than a five-pound fruitcake. But the wind currents flowed as expected in a counterclockwise direction and also clockwise. You mean? It was cycloning in a figure eight pattern. What the heck does that mean? To Dandy, Brittany, Aiden, and Curdy. We'll tell you what the heck it means. The tornado was of our making. We've been waiting for you to handle the situation regarding the Kordaks for some time now, and we finally found it necessary to take action. Why? All the lies and subterfuge of which you are all guilty. The growing threats to each other's personal safety and the safety of entire civilizations. Not to mention the continual bickering amongst the humans across dimensions, the quellings, and a resurgence of the dissident rebellion. But most importantly, we've come to realize that when we traded the Kordax to the humans, receiving your faxing technology in return was a bad deal. It's weakened our civilization, turning us into faxing addicts and increasing unproductive time trying to fax to busy signals and affecting our quality of life in a most negative way. Therefore, we have returned your fax machine, separated your group from those who wished you harm, and have taken back the Kordax, nullifying the original agreement. We are actually negotiating with another civilization to trade them for their latest technology, something they call Instapot. We realize that some of you had high hopes for achieving something important with the Kordax, but ultimately the situations you found yourselves in were of your own making and have now become the reality that you must live with. Best regards, the civilization formerly known as the Dickensians, we now call ourselves the Grobenites Motorcycle Gang, not to be confused with your Josh Groban's fan club. I mean, he's okay, and yes, we'll raise you up. Oh, and Motorcycle Gang is for street cred. That's it. It can't be. Finer. The Grobenites Motorcycle Gang has all the Cordex. We're going to have to accept it. <sighs> <laughs> what about the others? Are they gone? 
Good riddance. Who cares about them anyway? But Joe and the candidate never threatened us. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to find out whose side they were on. But the GMG must have known. If they were on our side, they'd be here with us now. So what now? <sighs> we accept our reality and live with it. And Alaska hasn't been so hot. Maybe I'll look for something down here. It will be weird to return to Quell without... But there's a rebellion to deal with. I guess this is goodbye then. Aiden, Brittany, Dandy. And goodbye, space croutons. What if planet the rocket wagon train upon a journey? And what if aliens don't fight an actress named Saturni? We're not a bunch of geeks who live in basements, sleep on croutons. But who wouldn't stream our podcast if we're calling it Space Croutons? It's an intergalactic, robotomatic, moon-dust-sporadic trip around the sun. It's a totally terrific, proven scientific, freaking fantastic, phaser-septum fun. It's Space Crouton, we think it's your space suit on, it's pink, we're triple cute, on that you can rely, and once you posture, salad in your flying saucer, it's valid, you have Space Crouton, for lunch, with Lucy in the sky, with Neil Diamond, Lucy in the sky, I love Neil Diamond, Lucy in the sky, no, not Neil Diamond, with Space Crouton. Space Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode 27 story by Jeff, Della, Jerry, and John. Original music by Jeff. Production by John, Jerry, Della, Rachel, Jessica, James, Patsy Puckett, and Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of Della, John, Jerry, Brittany, James, Jace, Rachel, Jessica, Barry Shea, Patsy Puckett, Jeff, and Sally. Entire work copyright 2020 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch Audio Production.